0: If you have your Bibles with you today, would you turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing our series going through the book of Galatians and looking at the way that we are now supposed to live in response to the work that God has done inside of our lives. Now, a couple weeks ago, I went to the dentist and I received the terrible news that my years of abusing jelly beans and uh, Starbursts and Skittles and all of those sorts of things had led me to the point of where I now needed a root canal. And that was one of those come-to-Jesus moments for me, like... Look what my sin has wrought on me. And, and I, I remember sitting there in the chair. You know, you're sitting in their chair and they're taking the x-rays. And you're like, oh, Jesus, please, if you get me through this, I'll be a missionary. You know, I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. Because you know, like, something's wrong with your teeth. And then when you, they say, oh, you need a root canal here, I'm just like, oh. And every jelly bean I've ever eaten, I was like, it so wasn't worth it. Why did I do this to myself? I have nobody to blame but myself for what has happened and the money that it's going to cost me to do this and the unpleasantness of it. And so I made a resolution sitting in that chair like I'm done. No more sweets for me, no more jelly beans. Those are my biggest nemesis. And you know how sticky they are, just get stuck there in your teeth. And I was resolute about this and I knew this was going to lead me to oral health for the rest of my life. I'll never need another root canal again. This was this was a change. I'm a new man now. And so I go home, we actually have this little jar full of jelly beans. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, no, Satan, get thee behind me. Like, you have no hold in my life anymore. I have committed, I've made a decision And that lasted for a couple of hours. And then I'm sitting there, I'm getting the jelly beans out again, and I'm like, what am I doing? Why can't I break free from this horrible addiction that I have to jelly beans? I pay the price for it, thousands of dollars for a root canal. I go through the pain that it brings to me. It does no benefit to me. It makes me fat. You know, I have half a pancreas, so I shouldn't be shoving myself full of sugar anyways. (laughs) Like there's just nothing good about jelly beans for me and yet they have this hold over me no matter how many times I decide I'm done with them, we're breaking up, I don't want to see you anymore, I throw their number out and then I'm digging through the trash trying to find it again. And that's something that we all can probably relate to. We all have some kind of physical thing that, you know, we struggle with, pies, cakes, sweets, diet, coke, whatever it might be. But what about the spiritual things that we deal with like that? When you made that decision to follow Jesus and he gave you new vision for the life that he'd called you to, and when you saw just how incredibly good and perfect and holy God is, and you saw the way you'd been living in light of that, you made that decision of, I don't want to live like this anymore. What I'm doing is wrong. There's no benefit to the sin that's inside of my life. I want to break free of it now and for never. I never, ever want to go back to the sins that once enslaved me. Thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that you have brought me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And now I'm empowered to live a new life. But how many times do you find yourselves going back to those old sins? You don't want to. You don't know why it is that you're doing that, but no matter how strongly in your head you want to live a life for Jesus and recognize that the things that you're doing are wrong, you just keep coming back to them and you can't break free of that. Well, Paul talks about this idea in the book of Romans and this is what he says and I think we can all relate to it. He says in chapter 7, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, inevitably I do what is wrong. Have you guys found yourself in that place before? Where you know the good things that God's called you to and you know the bad things that you need to break free from and that you need to rid yourself of. But you don't understand it. There's this draw that's going on inside of you that just keeps drawing you back to the sin. It keeps taking you away and then you're filled with guilt and condemnation and shame because you know what you're supposed to do. You know the good things that God has for you but you keep going back to the things that you know are wrong. And what happens for so many people is you begin to think, I can't break free from this. That this is the way God made me. I'm always going to struggle with this. I, I just have to give into it. Or for some people, it leads them to the place of where they just live just filled with guilt and shame and condemnation because they know that what they're doing is wrong. But through the death of Jesus on the cross, we weren't just forgiven of our sins. We were empowered to live a life that is free from the sins that used to have such a hold on us. And we have to know how it is that we move from going in the place where we know what's right but doing what's wrong to the place of knowing what's right and being empowered to be able to do what is right. And Paul continues to address this idea now in Galatians chapter 5. And he says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh." For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. He addresses this idea for us. He says there are two different desires inside of you. And that word for desires means us an intense longing inside of you. Like that intense longing I have for jelly beans. Like it's something that I can't explain. It has a hold on me. It's more powerful than any of the other desires that you have. It's got a hold on you. And there are two different things that will put desires like that inside of you. And number one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you intense desires an intense longing to live a life that's pleasing to God, to do the good works that he created you to do before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. You have a strong desire inside of you to do that. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. But there's also the desires of the flesh that are working inside of you, and that means the carnal things that you desire. And these are completely opposite of the things that the Holy Spirit wants for you, and you guys have experienced that. And it actually says that those are given to you to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. If you just had one set of desires inside of you, there wouldn't be any conflict. You just go ahead with it, whether it's the desires of the flesh, which is what you see, people who aren't Christians, they don't have the desires of the Holy Spirit inside of them. So they just follow the desires of the flesh. What else would they do? I and mean, we as a church, I think a lot of times we start judging people because of the way they're living, but if they're apart from God, if they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them, what else would they do? We need to stop being so judgmental towards them and instead have a heart for them that says these people are they're in bondage to sin, And they don't need to just stop doing what they're doing. They need an encounter with God because after they have the encounter with God, now they have the Holy Spirit inside of them who gives them now the ability and the desires to live a life that's pleasing to God. But we have to make sure that we have the order right. It's the encounter with God first where they make a decision to follow him, receive the Holy Spirit, and then they're able to live an entirely new life. You cannot live a new life apart from Jesus. So let's never get the cart before the horse in that area. But then we also have to recognize that when we have these two desires that are combating inside of us, one of them is always going to win out. Have you guys ever decided, you're, you look in the mirror and you're like, who are you? What What happened to me? I've had those moments all the time. That's why I leave the lights off in the bathroom now in the morning. I don't have to see myself that way. And I'm much happier with my life. But you have like you see yourself and like that's it I'm going to make some changes I'm waking up early tomorrow I'm setting the alarm for an hour earlier I'm going to get up I'm going to run but what happens you have a desire up here that's a good desire but when that alarm goes off you notice there's another desire that creeps into the equation it's that desire to sleep it's the desire to do nothing and more times than not in my life, the desire of the flesh to sleep wins out over the desire of my mind to go after cardiovascular health. Or if you guys ever started a fast? You're like, okay, I'm really going to pursue God. I'm going to go after him. I need an answer. I need some breakthrough in this area. So I'm going to fast and I'm, I'm going to put food aside and say, you know, Jesus, I'm just coming to you. And then you see, like you wake up in the morning, you see the Pop-Tarts on the shelf and you're just like, oh my goodness. Another desire is stirred up inside of you, and one of those desires is going to win in you. Well, how is it that one of the desires wins over the others? Or how is it that we allow the desires of the Spirit to win out in our lives over the desires of the flesh? And Paul says that we do that by walking in the Spirit. And that word walk means to live according to or to behave according to a certain way. So when we say that we're going to walk in the Spirit, it means that we're going to live out our life and behave according to the desires of the Spirit inside of our lives. Before you were walking in the flesh, you were living according to the desires of your flesh, so you continued to sin. But when you start to walk in the Spirit, meaning that you say, the desires of the flesh, you have no hold on me anymore, I'm making a decision this day that I'm going to follow after the desires that the Holy Spirit has put inside of me, and you decide that no matter what happens, I'm going to live according to the desires of the Spirit, then you're walking in the Spirit, and you're able to overcome the temptations and the desires of the flesh. So the question then for us is, what are we walking in? Are we, as Christians, living out according to the Holy Spirit or are we still continuing to live according to the desires of the flesh in our lives? And Paul goes on in Galatians to talk about how it is that we can evaluate ourselves based on what it is that we see being born in our lives. And he says this in Galatians chapter 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, Now, he doesn't go through and give you an exhaust, I mean, that seems like a pretty exhaustive list, but he's not trying to tell you that these are all the bad things that you can do in life and stay away from them. But what he's doing is he's highlighting to the Galatians some of the desires of the flesh that are common to them and the things that culturally have become very acceptable to them. And it's honestly, when you look at that list and you look at the way that our culture is, there isn't a whole lot of difference between them. And again, remember what I'm saying is that we don't judge the culture that's around us, those who aren't following Jesus, by the standard that God has called us to. But we need to make sure that we as Christians are living according to the standard that God has called us to. Amen. And just because we made that decision to follow Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit doesn't mean now that all of the desires that were gratifying inside of us are the desires of the Spirit. We still struggle with gratifying the desires of our flesh. And he starts right on the list, sexual immorality. I mean, that is a huge one for us in the church. It's a huge one for our culture, but it's, and that's not what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is how are we living in the church? Are we fulfilling God's holy call on us? And what sexual immorality means is that it's, it's sexual acts that are unacceptable morally to God. And all through Scripture, it always defines it as the only way that sex can be uh, expressed is in the covenant relationship for life between one man and one woman. Now, if you throw that out to our culture, they're like, you are absolutely insane. How could you possibly think that? But the reason for that is because if you look at every generation, there's a God that they all worship. For my grandparents, that God was materialism. For them, the highest thing that you could do was to pursue things as they had gone through the Great Depression growing up, so they didn't have a lot of things. So now the natural desire inside of them is to try to accumulate more stuff. And success is based upon how much stuff you have. And it was very hard for a lot of people in that generation to be generous with the things that they had because it had become the God for them. So you don't submit that God to anything else. It's the highest authority inside of your life. Uh, and for my generation... In uh, those a little bit older than me, it's a lot of it is the the image. It's the um, I'm trying to think of the right the words. The idea of like you know, look who I am. I've achieved something. I'm somebody. I'm important. And trying to humble yourself and submit that to be able to serve other people is something that not a lot of people do because the highest God in my generation's life is what I have achieved and how I've given myself status and built myself up. And now in the millennial generation, which I'm kind of like straddling that weird line there for them, is it sexuality? It has become the highest God that you must serve and you cannot submit this God to anything else. And that's infected us in the church as well. And I'm not saying that to bring condemnation or guilt to people, but hopefully there's conviction that comes along with that. Is that if you're living in sexual immorality, you need to say, God, forgive me of this. Thank you that I'm forgiven of it through Jesus on the cross, but I need this desire to be crucified so that now I can live according to the pure and holy calling that you've given to me. And then he goes on and he talks about, uh, you know, idolatry. And again, idolatry is this idea of that I've, I'm going to something other than God to try to receive something that only God can give me. How many people look for security through finances and wealth? Well, who's the only one that can really give you security in this life is God. So when I'm putting all my faith and trust in my finances or my 401K or whatever it is to bring me security in my retirement and in my older years, well, now this has become a God to me that I am looking to for security more than the true and the living God. And as I discovered early on in my marriage through our retirement savings, is those numbers, they they, they can get wiped out pretty fast. There's really no security in money. Now, be wise. I'm not saying, hey, don't save for the future or anything like that. You absolutely should have a wise financial strategy. It talks about that in Proverbs. But you should never look to that to be what's going to provide for you. Only God can do that. And we all have things that we're looking to as gods. Not many of us have little carved images anymore that we bow down and pray to and sacrifice animals to, but that doesn't mean that you aren't an idolater. That doesn't mean that there are other things that you're looking to for the things that only God can bring inside of your life. And he goes on those things like enmity and strife. Oh man, that's, that can be huge in church. How many times do we get offended with someone else and there's strife between us or there's hostility that's stirred up between us when Jesus said, my prayer is that you would all be one. When Jesus said that they're going to recognize that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. We need to make sure that we're not allowing strife to come into our hearts and anger to keep us from living on the call that God has on every one of us. And he goes through rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. Uh, you know, this is another huge one for our culture. And the problem with drunkenness is that you're submitting yourself to another spirit that keeps you from being able to make the decisions and lead you. The Holy Spirit's supposed to be the one who makes the decisions for you and leads you and prompts you. Uh, if you guys have been around many drunk people, you've noticed they don't make the best decisions in their drunkenness. I've talked to a lot of people that were pretty philosophical in their drunkenness, but not one person makes wise decisions in that state. And usually they don't remember what you were talking about anyway. I've led a lot of people to Jesus that were drunk, and the next day they're like, what? I must have been drunk. I'm like, well, actually you were, but... <laughs> And so the saying is that guys, we're called to something more than drunkenness because we're not supposed to submit ourselves to that effect. We're supposed to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he goes on to talk about orgies, which hopefully we've got that one all taken care of. But he says that those who <laughs> practice these things Wait, who's struggling with that one? No. I'm just but he's saying that these things, if you practice these things, he says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean if you slip up, because every one of us, when you go through this list, you are going to slip up on these things. That is going to happen. And thank God for his grace in our lives that covers those sins. But it says that if you are habitually practicing these sins, he says, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a huge statement. You won't inherit the kingdom of God in this life And you won't inherit the kingdom of God and the life that is to come. Now, why is that? You might say, well, I made a decision to follow Jesus, ask him to forgive my sins. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But Jesus has to be Lord of your life. It says that we've been called to be sons. We've been called to be daughters in the family. And it's because of that status as sons and daughters that we now have the inheritance of the kingdom of God inside of us. But if you haven't submitted yourself to the rule of Jesus in your life, then you aren't a son, you aren't a daughter. And that means that you don't have that inheritance for yourself in this life or in the life that is to come. And this is why it's so important, church. We have to know the holy call that God has on us. And we have to be a restorative voice to our culture that's around us as well. Because when we call things that are sin, good, or we call things that are good, sin, then we're leading people who are far from God and we're leading those who are in our own community away from his truth, away from his call in his life, and we're essentially condemning them to death. We need to know the holy call that God has on us so that we can live that out because the stakes are just too high. We have to make sure that we get this one right. And those are the things that we see that come from the flesh. But there are also things that come from following and walking in the Holy Spirit. And these things are the complete opposite. It says in Galatians 5, through 24 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, With its passions and desires. Now, we all have an idea of what all of these things are, but I think it's important that we understand what it means from a kingdom perspective. Uh, It says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is love. Now, we all love things. We love pizza. We love our families. But the fruit of the Spirit isn't just to love those who love you. The fruit of the Spirit in your life and following the desires of the Spirit inside of your life make it so that you can love your enemies, so that you can love those who persecute you so you can lay your life down for those who would curse you. That's not something that comes naturally to us. But it's the fruit, it's the working, it's what happens inside of our lives when we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and now follow his call in our life. That's what's naturally born inside of us. Um, It talks about joy. We all have joy. A lot of times we confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is based on happenstance. So if something good happens, you're happy. If something bad happens, you're not happy. But joy means that you have a joy inside of you that isn't dependent upon what's happening to you. You can have joy in the midst of intense grief and sorrow. You've met people, have you ever met someone that was just a seasoned saint that had been following Jesus for a long time and they go through the loss of a loved one? And even though their heart's broken and they're going through a period of mourning and sorrow inside of them, they still have a joy in them. A joy that can't be extinguished. A joy that nothing can take away from them because that joy is based upon what it is that God has done inside of their life. And what God has done inside of you, no man can take from you. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You can have that kind of joy inside of you. Peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. We think of peace as just being an absence of conflict, but it goes beyond that. Jesus says that when we're going through the tough times in life, when things are bad, We can come to God in prayer and the promise that we have isn't that we're going to see the answer to the prayer that we want. It's not that everything is going to get better for us, but the promise is that the peace of God is going to guard our hearts and our minds. I pointed backwards. Hearts and minds. It doesn't matter what it is that you're going through, you can have a peace in the toughest of situations. And that is something since we decided to to plant this church, we have gone through some stuff. But never once have we lost the joy that we had in Jesus and never once have we lost the peace that we have in God. Regardless of the people that we've lost, regardless of the health issues and the pain and the struggles that we went through, the fruit of the Spirit in us was always joy and it was always peace and we never lost hope because of that. It says that there's patience as one of the fruits. That is not natural to us. That's the one that the Lord is still working in my heart uh, because I want patience and I want it now but I don't have it. And, you know, I'm learning it. Slowly, it feels like. But that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit will work inside of your life. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That one is so huge because what is it that we need to be able to overcome the desires of the flesh in our life? Self-control. You only get that by following the leading of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And then you have the ability to say, no matter what my desires might be, No matter what the temptation might be or how strong that temptation is, the fruit of the Spirit in my life is self-control and I'm able to overcome any temptation through the Holy Spirit and His power working inside of me. That's a good gift that He's given us. And so as you look at your life, what are you seeing? Are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit being born in you? Or are you seeing the works of the flesh Which one is your life producing? Because I can guarantee you that your life is producing one of those. And for me, as I look at the list, there are things, there's fruit that I see in my life, but there are also some areas where I see that the the flesh is having its way. And I have to be able to come back and say, okay, this is an area I'm struggling with. Holy Spirit, strengthen me. It makes me aware of it. So I begin to have strategies for how I'm going to overcome these areas. But we need to be able to take an honest look at ourselves and say, what is being born in my life? And is it the result of following the Holy Spirit? or is it the result of the flesh dominating my desires and all control of my life and it's interesting too that the it's described as the works of the of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit he doesn't use the same word for what they're producing in your life because a work what that means is that it's something that people do or cause to happen that's a work but a fruit is a natural deed that is produced It's like when you plant a tree, if you plant an apple tree, what's it going to produce? Apples, every time. You will never get a watermelon off of your apple tree. I wish, I wish, I wish, but that doesn't happen. Well, a lot of times what happens is because of the fact that we grew up, we were born slaves to sin, we were following the desires of the flesh, there's a tree that's been built into our life, and it's producing the works of the flesh inside of us. And so we come to that apple tree and we're like, okay, I'm getting apples, but what I want is oranges, so I'm just going to cut off all these apples and hopefully some oranges will grow back. That's never going to happen. You will never get oranges from your apple tree. You're just going to continue to get apples. You will never produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life if you're following after the desires of the flesh. We like to have a band-aid approach to how we want to solve this. Okay, this is going to be an easy fix. I just got to get rid of this. I'm going to pursue this. But what happens is, a lot of times, we're trying to follow the Holy Spirit or we're trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit through our own works. But what do your works do? They only produce what you are capable of producing in your life. Since you are following the flesh, the only thing you'll ever be able to produce in your life is flesh desires and flesh results. What you need is the fruit of that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit inside you. It's naturally produced because of the work of God inside of you. It's the only way that it's ever going to happen is we have to come to this place of where we repent. And what that word means is that we have to turn away. If you were walking this way, to repent means you stop and now you walk the other direction. That's why the call of us is trepent because we've been living our life out of our own abilities, out of our own works, and it's been following flesh and it's been producing wrong things inside of us. I have to stop that and I have to now go after the Holy Spirit inside of my life. I have to submit myself, my wills, and my desires to the will and the desire of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And then you will begin to see fruit of the Spirit born in your life. So how is it that you live according to the Spirit? Number one, receive the Spirit. That's the starting point for you. You have to receive the Holy Spirit for the fruit of the Spirit to be born in your life. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. Peter's gotten up and he's preached about Jesus being the Messiah and uh, they ask him, okay, what is it that we must do now to be saved? And Peter responds by saying, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And you can't bear the fruit of the Spirit until so you have the Spirit, and you can't receive the Holy Spirit until you first repent of your ways and turn to God. But when you do that, the promise that every single one of us has is when we bend our knee to Jesus and say, I submit myself to you, I'm not living according to the flesh anymore, It says that he sends the Holy Spirit into you. And that's not just a promise for some people, that's a promise for all people. He says to all generations, to all who will come, this is the promise that every single one of us has, is that God will send the Holy Spirit to us when we repent of our sins and when we submit ourselves to him. And when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, it begins to change who you are. It changes everything about you. And he begins to lead you into all truth. And he puts the desire and the ability inside of you to live a life that's pleasing to God. And then number two, you have to see according to the Spirit. The way that you view the world around you has to be changed to come into conformity with the way that the Holy Spirit sees the world that's around us. And the best way that that happens is by spending time studying your Bibles. I cannot, uh, over I mean I can't communicate to you how important scripture is in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you want to know where the Holy Spirit's leading you, if you want to know the all truth that the Holy Spirit's leading you into, then it starts with becoming a student of the Bible because the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired all scripture. It says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, if you want to know what the Holy Spirit has to say to us, Go to what it is that the Holy Spirit said. Like what we've been talking about today, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh, that wasn't something that we just all had to try to decide for ourselves what works of the flesh are and what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit laid it out for us in Scripture. There is so much of understanding your identity, who you are, the rights, the privileges, the blessings that you have as a child of God. You will never know those things until you start studying your scripture and seeing what the Holy Spirit has to say about those to you. And you will never know about the things that he's called you away from if you just live according to the standard of a culture that's around us. We have to see what it is that the Holy Spirit has written to us through scripture And then Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. That you don't have to navigate through this world and through our culture in darkness, guessing and trying to figure out. We have the scripture which illuminates the path before us that we're to walk on so that we can see the pitfalls, so we can see the traps, we can see the snares, and we can see the good path that it is that God has called us to. And then number three, we need to hear the Spirit. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, This is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And what God is saying is that you're not having to live this life without hearing the voice of God. He will put promptings into you, He will lead you, He will guide you. And that's an incredible promise that He has for us. Because I, I'm, I was just talk about how awesome Scripture is. I love Scripture and I study it and I submit myself to its authority in my life. But I'm also not living completely independent of it because there are times <clears throat> when I will meet someone or have an encounter with someone and the Holy Spirit leads me and says, you need to speak to this person. Or you need to talk to them about this. There are times when I'm trying to make a decision and there's not. I'm like, okay, what does it say in Daniel chapter 5, verse 3 about whether I should do this or that? Like, there aren't answers for everything in there. There are some decisions that you have to make where you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. I can't tell you the chapter and verse that made me choose Ann Arbor as the city that I was going to plant a church in. I had to listen to the voice of God to me in that. Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's ever going to speak something to you that contradicts Scripture. That will never happen. But there are things that the Holy Spirit needs to speak to you, nudges that he needs to put on you, and ways that he wants to lead you into that you have to hear from him. And believe me, the Holy Spirit does speak. And that's one of the hardest things to convince Christians of, is that you can hear God speak to you. Jesus himself says that I am the shepherd, and my sheep hear my voice. You have the ability to hear God not because you've trained yourself for it, not because you took a class. You have the ability to hear God speak to you because of who you are. Because you're a son, because you're a daughter. You're a sheep and he's the shepherd. And you have the ability to hear him speak to you. Now, you can train yourself to be better at hearing him. And the more obedient you are to his voice, the more clear it becomes to you and the easier it is to recognize. But right now, right where you're at, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus and submitted yourself to his lordship in your life, you can hear him speak to you. And the promise that we have is that he will be right behind us, a voice saying, this is the way you should go, whether it's to the right or to the left. And then number four, obey the spirit. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can see what He's revealed to us through Scripture. You can even hear Him speaking to you and guiding you in life. But if you don't obey all of that, then it's of no benefit to you. And that's why in James 122 it says, Don't just be listeners of God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. Amen. We have to become obedient to what it is that God's speaking to us. You will never be able to live a life pleasing God. You will never be able to live a life that's bearing the fruit of the Spirit and that's overcoming the works of the flesh in you if you don't come to the place where you say, Jesus, regardless of the cost, regardless of what it might mean, I'm following you and I'm going to become obedient to everything you've called me to. And here's something the Lord's spoken to me a lot too is delayed obedience is disobedience. Amen. When God speaks something to you, you don't say, okay, I'll do this. When things, What we do is like God will tell you to do something, and then you're like, oh, that sounds tough. I don't want to do that. And so you just wait for the pressure to build up and to build up and to build up until you just absolutely have to do it. That's disobedience. And it will relationally become between you and God, and also it will make it so that you have to walk through a lot of junk that God was trying to save you from. Obedience to God is a beautiful thing. It's for your benefit. So this morning, hopefully the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. It's been revealing to you whether you've been living according to the desires of the Spirit in your life, whether you've been walking in the Spirit, or whether you've been walking in the flesh. And hopefully today, There's something that's stirring up inside of you that's saying, I'm sick and tired of this. Like Paul was saying, I don't want to do these things anymore. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I keep failing. I don't want to live like that anymore. Well, you have the power through Jesus in your life to overcome all of the temptations, all of the works. And what it means is that we come to the point where we say, flesh, you have no control over me anymore. Holy Spirit, I'm going to follow you. And it's a daily decision that we make. More than daily. It's a moment by moment, every decision that we make every day, it comes back to Holy Spirit, what is it that you've called me to? How do I live according to the will and the desire of the Holy Spirit in my life? And how do I continue to crucify the flesh and the desires that come with it? So that I can be someone who inherits the blessing and the benefits of the kingdom of God in my life on this earth and receives the fullness of that in eternity. The stakes are high. Your future depends on it. The future of your family, the future of our city depends upon the decision that you make whether you're going to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit or whether you're going to continue to follow after the desires of the flesh. You guys pray with me this morning. And Father, we ask that you would speak to us We don't want to live independent of you. We don't want to just have to guess as to what you're leading us into. But would you speak to our hearts this morning? God, have we been living according to the Holy Spirit? Have we been continuing to walk in the flesh? And this morning, if you've been someone who's been living according to the flesh, but you are, you're you sick of that, you're tired of it, you're done with it, you want to live according to the Holy Spirit, then this morning I believe that God is calling you to make that decision. And he's not just calling you to make it on your own. It says that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, he will never abandon us. That when you make that decision, the Holy Spirit is going to come and to fill you with power and grace to live a life overcoming the temptation, overcoming the flesh, overcoming sin. And you will finally be able to live out the good things that God has called you to. If that's you this morning, then just be honest with the Lord. I invite you to pray this with me. Father, forgive me. I submit myself to you. you. Would you send the Holy Spirit Fill me fresh and new. Me fresh and new. Empower, me Empower me to overcome the temptation of sin in my life. And fill me with the desire to live a life that's pleasing to you. To pleasing to you. Holy, Spirit, to you. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to recognize your voice. I, want to you. I will follow your leading. From this day forward, forward. In in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.